welcome to another episode of Not D&D. Uh, it's brought to you by EN Live, part of EN World, the leading tabletop news and reviews website. I'm Jessica and I'm so excited because this week we have the excellent Jim Johnson here to talk to us all about Star Trek Adventures. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jess. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on, on your show tonight. No worries. Um, so I've had seen a lot of people excited with the questions already in the comments, which is fantastic. So that's what we're here to talk about. So if you have any questions, pop them in the chat. And when we come to that point in the conversation, I'll pop them up on screen and uh, then we'll answer the questions there for you. Um, but before we get started, in case people live under a rock and they don't know who you are, could you give us a little intro, Jim, to who you are and what you do in the games industry? Yeah, sure thing. My name is Jim Johnson. I have been in the RPG industry for 20 odd years. I'm a science fiction fantasy writer. And uh, currently, I am the Star Trek Adventures uh, project manager and line editor, and that's with uh, Modifius Entertainment. Awesome. So that's a perfect person to answer questions about Star Trek Adventures, then. We picked <laughs> the right person, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> awesome. Uh, so obviously, um, we'll, we will get into talking about Star Trek Adventures. We've got lots of fans in the comments I can already see arguing about which are the best movies. Uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll keep out of that conversation, and I'll just jump into staying with uh, RPGs. Um, so speaking about RPGs, uh, when did you first start role-playing? What was your... But yeah, when was your first game of that? Oh, uh, so back, this is way back in the early 80s. My first RPG, my okay. gateway, uh, like for so many people, was the uh, Redbox D&D, uh, way, way back in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, you know, I got, got that uh, from, a from a Toys R Us, if you can believe it. I mean, this is, you know, United States That's Toys R Us was a big retro reference, store, right? yeah. And uh, that, back when they actually sold RPG products, right, which is hard to believe, you know, for you know, newer fans especially. But uh, yeah, Redbox brought it home. And my friends and I uh, just ate it up. We loved it. We loved playing yeah. it. And from there, just expanded into a whole bunch of other games. Uh, stayed in the TSR ecosystem for a while, you know, mm -hmm. with the Star Frontiers, Boot Hill, Gamma World, uh, more in D&D. And then gradually just branched out from there as the RPG industry got bigger and more, you know, more games came in and uh, just, you know, different opportunities to play different types of games. That sounds awesome. That's exactly what this uh, this show is about. So we're mm -hmm. here talking about, yeah, we love D&D &D and that's great, but also have you heard of, and that's exactly what this is about. So yeah. great to hear. Um, so, okay. And so that's kind of transition. So obviously when you're really young playing role-playing games, that's now uh, moved into you working in the games industry. How did you uh, take that leap from being a player into being somebody that works in the industry? Yeah. So, uh, see, so in, you know, I went to college, got, you know, got my degree, uh, discovered in college that I really like to do creative writing. And of course I've been doing RPG writing, um, most of my mm -hmm. life, you know, once I got into the game and, uh, I discovered that there was an easy transition between creative writing and game writing, right. Where it's, uh, you know, I, yeah. I was creating stories with my friends and it's like, Oh wait, if I tweak it a little bit, I can put a story on paper and, uh, and do it a little bit differently. Right. And uh, just gradually started getting involved in different uh, games online. Mm -hmm. And uh, early 2000s, um, uh, Discover, uh, uh, sorry, Discover, uh, Decipher had the mm -hmm. license to do the Lord of the Rings RPG when the movies came out and mm -hmm. uh, also had the Star Trek license. And um, I was, I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings. That's like my number two favorite, um, you know, IP or, or setting yeah, or yeah. whatever. And uh, got involved in that game pretty early on as a playtest coordinator and a freelance writer because mm -hmm. uh, I just I love the game. I started writing a bunch of stuff just as a fan, like on the side, yeah. you know, just to just to you know spread the love and give fans more stuff to play with. And the line developer at the time said, "Hey, you know, I like your stuff. Do you want to mm -hmm. write for the game?" And I just started writing for the yes. game, and <laughs> uh, and just you know just kind of went on from there. But uh, uh, unfortunately, Decipher, um, you know, kind of went under fairly soon, and so I, I went on to you know branch off to other game lines and different game companies and stuff just to keep my 
myself busy with the industry mm-hmm. and, and you know, different freelance uh, uh, writing as well. And then fiction writing as well. Yeah. Um, so just uh, kind of dabbled here and there over the years and kept my finger on the pulse of what, who was working on what games and what games were out there and available. And then, um, and then Modifius came along and uh, I found out that they got the, the Star Trek license and uh, uh, submitted mm-hmm. my, my vitals and they got me involved fairly early on as a writer. And then, you know, as a, as a freelancer, I, uh, mm-hmm. I made sure to show that I had other skills that I could put to use and yeah. they rapidly put me to work on a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, editing, editing and proofreading and just rapidly, you know, took on more, more responsibility from there. Awesome. So it sounds like the perfect combination for you because you're, you know, you're a Trekkie, you're, you've always, you've been role-playing like your whole life. Uh, yeah, it's just a perf- perfect job. So uh, there's some people in the comments that agree with you as well, that Trek and Lord of the Rings is favorite IPs. So you're not <laughs> the only person there. And I've got to say that's true as well, because I do have this sat right next to me. So oh, nice. yeah, <laughs> so yes. Um, but yeah, so definitely some fans are along with you there. Um, so yeah, so you also was writing RPG, so you're also a writer as well. So you, um, am I right in saying that you wrote a Star Trek book as well? Uh, actually, some uh, some short stories. Uh, back mm-hmm. in the late 90s, yeah. early 2000s, I guess the aughts, whatever you call them, uh, Simon & Schuster, who you know, has the license mm-hmm. to do Star Trek novels, they decided to run a, a short story contest for the fans, basically, where if you were a fan and you could write a professional quality story, mm-hmm. you could submit it, and then the editor would review all the submissions and take the best you know, 20, 25 stories and then publish them in an anthology. And they ran that anthology for 10 solid years. And uh, I remember the editor uh, at the time, I and mean, this is way back when uh, AOL was still a thing. He, uh, <laughs> yeah. he had a, like a little chat room on AOL and he would say like every year consistently, they were getting like three to 6,000 manuscripts. And it was a very small window of time, right? I mean, you could only mm-hmm. submit stories from like, I don't know, like, August to October or something before you know for the next year, and he was mm-hmm. getting six thousand stories a year, and he, he would show pictures of his oh, of wow. his uh, of his post room right, just stacked full of manuscripts all over the place from course, fans it, who were just passionate. About it would the be Star post Trek. back then as well. It would be physical yeah. mail in those yeah. days. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, no, yeah, we did. They didn't have. I mean, we weren't doing. Any, they were doing email submissions. They wanted actual paper. You know, over the oh over the transom, gosh. basically <laughs> shows you how different the world is. Has, yeah, yeah, so Even different now. 10, you know, 10, 15 years or whatever, right? It's crazy. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I got um, in in three successive years, I got a story published into three different anthologies for Star mm. Trek, um, and then kind of got my foot in the door a little bit with Simon and Schuster, and mm. got invited to do a, a a novella for another Star Trek um, anthology. And uh, right about that time, I was I was I was really working with a couple of the editors trying to get some uh, novel pitches, um, you know, through through and approved. And unfortunately, at the time, that was like right about the time Enterprise went off the air, uh, oh, you know, okay. prematurely. And then they didn't have another series mm-hmm. coming up. And so it was like that that little kind of like that yeah. weird little window of time where Star Trek was kind of on the decline. And uh, Simon and Schuster went from two paperback releases a month to one release a month. Because they, they saw that there was a, a diminishing returns, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the the opportunities for for newer writers disappeared <laughs> pretty much, oh, no. and uh, just the missed opportunity there for for me and for a, you know a bunch of my friends who had also done uh, mm-hmm. Strange New World stories. Uh, but you know, just kept kept plugging away and doing uh, different stories for different anthologies and doing some self publishing and uh, keeping myself busy with the writing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so yeah, but it was a great experience though. And the uh, having done the the anthologies uh, and the Star Trek anthologies um, gave me the opportunity to go to a lot of conventions as a Star Trek writer 
And at those conventions, I got to meet yeah. the fans, of course, which is great to meet the fans. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also had an opportunity to meet some of my peers and some of the my fellow Star Trek writers. And I, I built up, you know, friendships and professional relationships with a lot of them. And mm -hmm. I was able to pull all of that into Modifius when I when I got into this job because I was able to bring on, uh, you know, Dayton Ward and Scott Pearson and some of the other writers who yeah. I knew just, you know, as friends at these conventions mm -hmm. and, and just, uh, you know, I said, Hey, I'm getting involved with the Star Trek RPG with Modifius. Do you want to, do you want to play? Do you want to come into the sandbox and play with me? I can get And you they in. were like, yes, yes, we do. And, <laughs> yeah. And they, well, and so Modifius was like, Oh my gosh, yes, please. Because this is going to give us instant cachet with yeah. our, um, with our CBS uh, approvers, uh, the mm -hmm. approvals team, right? Cause the CBS approvals team or Paramount and Paramount now, um, mm -hmm. They approve everything, right? So yeah. they already they already knew Dayton, and they already knew Scott, and they already knew some of the other names. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, it, it just made it so much easier for us to say, well, we've got these people on board writing some of this stuff, and uh, you know, CBS approves everything that we do. But it just it just helped a lot that I was able to bring those connections along with me, and uh, it just you know, it provided a huge lift right from the beginning. Yeah, that is awesome. And we have some people, oh, a wrong comment I put in here. Uh, there, there are loads of people that are reading uh, the novels here. So we've got Leprechaun yeah. here who read so many of those novels back in the day. So we have some fans of that there. And there's um, so many novels too. There's so <laughs> many, there's hundreds of them. And you just yeah. dive right in and have fun. It's a massive universe as well. Mm -hmm. um, so jumping into that universe, so I, I mentioned about, you know, when did you get started with RPGs? But because this is such a, Star Trek is such a big, IP license world genre I don't know that institution it's such a big thing how when did you get started with that um like what was your first kind of Star Trek memory <laughs> Man, way 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 back I mean I can remember I was a I was a I was a, I was a little boy in New York City and I had a little mm -hmm. three inch black and white portable tv right with the wow. old aerial that you have to pull and you had to you had to <laughs> aim the aerial to try okay. to, to pick up the signal and yeah. sometimes I put tinfoil on it was classic tinfoil on the aerial uh, but if if my friends and I, if we were on the playground, and if we aimed that aerial just right, we could pick up a rerun of Star mm -hmm. Trek, uh, you know, the original Star Trek series on the black and white TV, and we'd watch it for a little while, and we'd watch, uh, you know, Kirk and Spock and Scotty and everybody doing mm -hmm. their thing on the ship, and then we'd run out to the playground, and we'd be we'd be the Starfleet crew, um, yeah, of you know, course, going after Klingons or Romulans or whatever. And so from the very beginning, I was into mm -hmm. Star Trek, you know, six seven years old. And, uh, you know, I think the first novel I read for Star Trek was one of the old photo novels, you know, where they would take still shots of the of the show and they would put, oh, yeah. little, ca put little captions in it, almost like a almost like a comic book yeah, but, yeah. Uh, with pictures. Right. And this, it was just classic stuff. And uh, yes, I, I really grew up with Star I grew up with Star Trek even before Star Wars came out. So I, yeah. like that, that generation of Star Trek Star Wars fans, that's totally, yeah. totally me. That's so awesome. Um, we have some brilliant questions that are coming in already. So I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to get them to come down in that. Um, so you've been a fan always uh, of yeah. it. So, um, oh gosh, I'm getting so many questions. Sorry, I'm being absolutely okay. flooded with questions. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to move on to talk a specific Star Trek question that's not related to the RPG because this question is, and it's what are the best three Star Trek movies? Because there's been an uh, argument in the comments, and I'm dragging you into it now. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, you know this is this is all uh, you know it's all opinion, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it, yeah. There, there is no way to to judge which one's the best or not the best. But uh, mm -hmm. my so I'm gonna I'm gonna sidestep this and dodge it a little bit and say instead of saying <laughs> what are the best ones, I'm gonna say what are my favorites, right? Um, That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. I think um, I think the motion picture has got to be on the top of the list because without the motion picture, we wouldn't have anything uh, after uh, after after it. I think uh, that. Even though Star yeah. Wars influenced it, 
uh, having just watched the remaster on uh, Paramount Plus, mm -hmm. I, I was like, I was just blown away all over again. I mean, so there's parts of it that are very languid and deliberate, but like at its heart, it's such a great story. And yeah. uh, I just, I love motion picture more than it probably, <laughs> more than I probably should. But uh, so yeah, motion picture and then uh, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, of course, is great because there's so many great character moments in it. And there's so much pathos um, mm -hmm. and with, with the Kirk and Spock and that whole closing scene was just set up so well. I think Nicholas Meyer did an amazing job with that film. Uh, and then number three, uh, gee, that, that's a tough one because um, it's hard to look at Star Trek. Pick? It's hard to look at Star Trek two without the trilogy, right? Two and because three and four mm -hmm. all kind of make one nice package uh, there. Star Trek six has its moments. I think if I, I guess if I had to pick one more to go after motion picture and Wrath of Khan, it'd probably be First Contact, uh, just because I think uh, John Frakes did a great job directing that, and there's just mm -hmm. so much great performances in that movie, and uh, great music, too. Um, yeah, I think I think First Contact would probably be my favorite of the next-gen era movies, um, and I like First Contact more than I like most of the other um, original series movies, but, I mean, it, it's like... I don't want to say it's like picking your children, right? Because, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I've been with these movies for so long now. I mean, all my life. And it's, it's hard to say which one I like better. But uh, I, if I had to go with a, my favorite your three, favorites, motion yeah. picture, Rathacon, and then uh, First Contact. And some people in the comments are saying that other things are, are different from their favorites. And that's okay. We can all have different favorite things. Yeah. We, all, we, we, we all like uh, Star Trek here, so we're all friends. Yeah. Remember, and, that? And, you know, Remember the, that in the comments, everyone. Yeah. And that, that really harkens, <laughs> Jess, to what you were saying a few minutes ago about how how Star Trek is almost an institution now, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's, yes. 50, it's 54, 55 years old now. It is just, it's been around for so long. Mm -hmm. There are so many episodes, so many movies, so many comic books, so many novels. So Star Trek means different things to so many different people yeah. um, that you just find what you like. And, and the great thing is like, if, 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 if a new series comes out or a new episode comes out and you just don't like it, that's okay because there's another thousand episodes that you can go watch and pick the ones that you like. Right. So like, I know a lot of fans are vocal about not liking discovery or not liking lower decks or not liking mm -hmm. Picard or whatever. It's like, that's okay. You know, you're not required to like all star Trek because there's a thousand hours of it. So go find the episodes that you do love or and watch those again. It's okay. Uh, I mean, there's something for everybody, I think in, uh, in, in star Trek. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's such a, yeah, like you say, it's such a big world and there's so much material to get mm -hmm. through. So I do do want to dig into kind of what you do, because it's quite funny. You were saying when you're younger, you were like when you were like six, seven years old, you were going out playing pretend with your friends. And now your job is facilitating people playing pretend that they're in <laughs> Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. <laughs> so that's this is what your job is now. Mm -hmm. um, so I think so many people uh, love this world because they get to be... Um, so I kind of mentioned before, role-playing games, when people come to them, um, sometimes it's the theme or the world that um, kind of really draws them in. So I think some people might have never tried a role-playing game, but because it's Star Trek, they'll be like, yeah, this is what I want to try because this is the world I want to be in and, and kind of walk about in. Um, so you get to be a crew member uh, and there's a whole range of eras. And I do have a question for somebody that, Jim, if you could be a crew member in any era, which would you choose to be? Uh, that's a, that's like a double question. It's like, what, what crew member would I be and what era do I want to be in? Right. <laughs> well, let's uh, take the era first. Let's take yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's take that. One at oh time. gosh. This is such a great question because like the, the original <laughs> series is so much fun. Yeah. And like the enterprise era is so much fun. And of course, next mm -hmm. gen DS9 and everything else. Um, you know, just given what I, what we know about what happens in the, mm -hmm. in the later eras, I'd probably want to be 
a crew member in the original series, like on uh, on a Constitution class ship, like you know, you know, Kirk or Spock or you know, whatever, um, on uh-huh. a, on that kind of a ship, because uh, you know, it, everything's new. Like you're 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 stretching the boundaries of the of no, of the known universe. You're out there doing science and exploration and discovery, uh, and you have an opportunity to, to to butt heads with the Klingons and other weird and strange yeah. alien species and. Uh, um, everything is new and different. I think I, you know certainly original series maybe maybe without the misogyny and the sexism of the period, right? But that's the sixties, and you can't really uh, yeah yeah look well, at I that. Think- even I mean I mean it's it's obviously there, but I think even for it, it's it was working well for the time that it was in because mm, yeah. I think that the the fact that all the crew members weren't just a bunch of white men, which right. was, but in itself was a huge step forward at the time and caused controversy mm-hmm. at the time. I remember, but yeah. yeah. But it's Absolutely. a it's yeah it's a great it's a great series for that and I I remember when I um when I first watched it when I was quite young and my dad was watching it on TV and I walked past and um I'd seen some sci-fi stuff and things and a lot of the stuff I'd seen had had male protagonists in and the women were there being very pretty and just kind of going what do we do captain mm-hmm. and um that what I really liked about Star Trek is the women in this were officers and they were important and they were making decisions and yeah. uh she was even the captain <laughs> when I'd seen it um so that's one of the things when you're saying Star Trek means different things to different people I think that diversity and representation it has and that's part of Starfleet you know as well i think that's so important as well and i think that's is that something you've tried to get into the game as well mm-hmm. absolutely yeah from from uh, from the very beginning uh we knew we wanted this to be a really diverse uh game not just not just like in the artwork like if you look at the artwork mm-hmm. you'll see a, a wide spectrum of uh of uh, humanoids and aliens and and skin tones and genders and all that all that uh we tried to do that and in fact my my ad my art director and i were just talking the other day that we need to continue to keep ramping it up and keep diversifying and keep showing all the different possibilities of not just humanity, but all the different aliens too, right? Mm, like yeah. uh, you know, certainly Klingons and Vulcans and uh, Andorians, et cetera. They're not monoliths, right? They're all they've all got their own unique species and mm-hmm. and, and sub races and whatnot. And we need to be able to present those just as diversely as we do humanity. Um, so we do that in the artwork, but also in um, in like my development team and my writing team. I try really hard to uh, make sure that it's not just a not just a bunch of writers who look like me, right? Middle aged, yeah. middle aged white guys, uh, you know. So I am, I am extraordinarily grateful that a lot of people mm-hmm. have been willing to come on board with me uh, to do this game, and uh, they know. I, I'm pretty confident they know. If they, if they don't, I'll keep telling them. But yeah. I, I try, I try very hard to be a champion for all my, all my LGBTQIA uh, queer family mm-hmm. and friends and just everybody that um, I can possibly get involved in the game. I do. And I, I'm really excited because we just announced the um, uh, the Discovery campaign book last week uh, coming yes. out, and that is the most diverse group of writers that I've had on any book so far. And I just I cannot wait for it to get out to people so they can see it and enjoy it because uh, it's got a whole bunch of great voices in it for for writing. And I uh, can't wait for people to see it, and uh, I can't wait to see who it inspires to reach out to me so that you can work on the game line too. Cause I'm always looking for more writers uh, and I'll take any, literally anybody I'm, I'm willing to give anybody a try uh, who loves Star Trek. Uh, so um, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what comes of that. 
yeah definitely so it's, it's great to see that that's running through in the yeah. books and the games um as well you briefly mentioned star trek adventures the discovery campaign guide i'm gonna put a link in the comments because we did a little article about that on em world when you launched it and um i was very excited and i said wait i'm gonna speak to jim about it when we get there um but i i feel like i'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself so um <laughs> if people are new to star trek adventures and uh they're just hearing about it now mm-hmm. um so can you talk us through um what eras there are what what's currently out there and we know that discoveries uh coming but what have we got so far because somebody said that their favorite era is you know the the movies you're talking about like khan and and things like that Mm -hmm. Uh, are those eras available out now or or what what have we got yeah so uh from the very beginning when the game came out in 2017 uh we we made a conscious decision to kind of go with 2371 is the default year and that's early next gen uh ds9 era because there was just so much stuff going on in, mm-hmm. in canon, right? You, you had the Dominion War starting to heat up. Uh, Voyager just disappeared, right? Voyager went into the Badlands and got whisked off to the Delta Quadrant. Uh, there's yeah. just a lot of stuff going on in the Alpha and Beta Quadrants. We were like, this is a good place to set it up. And like our, our kind of our tagline at the time was, you know, Starfleet needs a new crew, right? Because the, uh, the, yeah. the Enterprise had just been destroyed in uh, uh, Star Trek Generations, right? And, and so the Enterprise was gone. Um, Voyager's gone. The the war's getting ready to heat up in the in DS9, and so it was just it seemed like a good place to say, hey, if you want to be a new Starfleet crew, there's plenty of stuff to do. Jump in and let's let's go. And um, even though we kind of focused on that as kind of like the default setting, mm-hmm. the the game system and the game rules support yeah. all Star Trek. So if you want to play in Enterprise, or you want to play in the original series, or you want to play in the the Lost Era kind of like movie period or DS9 or Next Gen or Voyager, or even beyond that. Um, I mean, at this point, uh, you know, now that we have uh, Lower Decks and Picard and even Discovery, now that Discovery is out into the 32nd yeah. century, like you can, it's all Star Trek, right? The rules don't change from era to era, from genre to genre. You know, you don't need mm-hmm. a, you don't need a, uh, an original series core rule book or a Next Gen core rule book or a Voyager core rule book to play the game. Uh, we have one core book. Okay. I mean, we have, well, technically we have two because uh, we got the, the Klingon book out, and I'm sure we'll talk about that shortly. But, but yeah, this yep. this core book right here, this is all you need mm-hmm. to play, honestly. This this will cover literally everything. And what I try to encourage folks, especially newer folks to the game, is that even though it has the next-gen kind of DS9 Voyager aesthetic, especially because we use the uh, the mm-hmm. Elkar's design layout on the interior, just because at the, at the time we thought that was the right right choice. <laughs> um, the, the game really is truly for all eras of Star Trek. We, we mm-hmm. try to be very clear that in the game, at least that, um, you know, whether you're on a, a Kirk style constitution ship or the NX style uh, ship with like with Archer in Enterprise, mm-hmm. or you're on a you know cutting edge ship with the uh, with Picard uh, right at the end of Nemesis there. It, it all fits. It's all Star Trek. It's all good here. Um, so it, really any era of play is available to you. That's awesome to know. I have a few other pictures here as well, so I'll just mm-hmm. like get you to chat us through what, what we're seeing here. Yeah, so this is the uh, this is a fairly new release for us. This is the original series uh, tricorder uh, collector's edition set, uh, and this has been a long time, a long, long time in the making. We we actually started making developing this product uh, like right after the core book came out in 2017. So it's like 2017, early 2018 is when we mm-hmm. started developing this because when the game launched, uh, we we did a big splashy like board cube kind of thing where the board key was packed full of miniatures and tokens and the core nice. rule book and a GM screen that slotted right into it. So it looked like a complete you know thing. And that was like really a, our love letter to Star Trek, but especially for Star Trek Next Gen fans. And we knew we wanted to do something special for the original series fans. 
And yeah. so we thought about it. And we were like, well, let's do a, a box that looks like the original series, you know, Spock tricorder, you know, with the flip yeah. lid and all that stuff and just pack it full of, you know, useful game stuff. And so what this is, is it's, um, it's the core rule book that you showed before, mm-hmm. but it's, it's cut down, it's cut down to a digest size yeah. uh, paperback. And it's also, um, we, we took out about 60 pages of content and, and focused it entirely on the original series. So where okay. the, uh, the, the main core rule book covers all eras of play, um, mm-hmm. we, we did a top-down revision of it and focused it entirely on the original series, just you know, changing all the example text from like next-gen to original series or Voyager mm-hmm. to original series and uh, stripping out some of the next-gen like species and uh, historical elements, that kind of stuff. We, we just took all that out. So if you're an original hardcore original series fan yeah. and like that, and that's all you want mm-hmm. in your, in your game, <laughs> right? This is probably mm-hmm. the product for you because it's, it's really truly Star Trek, uh, you know, original series. Uh, we, we threw in some dice. We, we made uh, some special dice for this set. It's the, uh, it's uh, like Kirk's uh, green and gold tunic that he wore in a lot of episodes. So instead of our traditional uh-huh. like division colored dices, dice that are uh, uh, red, gold, and blue, we went with his green tunic for these. Uh, there's also a three-part campaign and a whole bunch of reference cards and uh, the, the Enterprise crew. And then we also did some pre-generated characters for the, uh, the Lexington. So there's some, there's some flexibility here in terms of what characters you want to play. Uh, but the yeah. Digest has all the rules as well. So you can make your own characters just like you could in the, in the rule book. Sure. So that's chock-a-block for the goodies there. Yeah. Um, we've had uh, an excellent question, um, which is um, about how much, because uh, this is a license, like you say, so how much leeway do you have with a license to create your own materials and, and, and things like that? Um, that's a great question. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we, we have um, quite a bit of leeway in terms of like what we want, what we can create. And, and we have, at this point, we're five years into it now. Mm-hmm. We have a, a wonderful relationship with CBS uh, with our review team. I mean, they mm-hmm. review literally everything we do. Uh, yeah. But they are they are very open to us being creative and 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 doing different things. It's, in fact, the Shackleton uh, Expanse campaign guide that we came out with late last year, uh, that's a full blown campaign setting yeah. set in a set in a part of the Beta Quadrant that is um, pretty much untouched by literally any other licensee by Star mm-hmm. Trek. Like we we just created it pretty much whole cloth, and they they were like, okay, this is great. It's not canon, so have fun. You know, it's, it's, it's official, <laughs> yeah. even though it's not canon. Right, and there's a distinction there, but uh, yeah, okay. we're we're pretty much free to make up what we want. You know, that being said, though, like myself and my writers are super respectful of the mm-hmm. license. Yeah, and I mean, we all love Star Trek to the core, hardcore, really, really, truly do. Mm-hmm. And and our reviewers know that, and our reviewers yeah. love Star Trek, and so we're not going to go off the rails and make some random we weird history, yeah, you know, history or contribution. Mm-hmm. And, and like, you know, go on a lengthy, you know, here's the, here's the 30 page dissertation on the history of the PACLEDs, um, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're not going to sign off on it because it will, A, of course, the PACLEDs right now are, are a big deal in uh, lower decks. So who knows what they're going to mm-hmm. do with it there. But uh, we mm-hmm. just, we try to be very, very respectful of the property. We try yeah. to adhere fairly closely to canon, um, mm-hmm. but we also try to provide a lot of plot hooks and elements and, uh, and suggestions so that, so that a fan who's kind of familiar with Star Trek, but may not be familiar with like all the other stuff, all the novels yeah. and comic books and everything else can still read the game and be like, okay, I, I remember that. I get that. And, and we're not throwing stuff at them. That's just like completely, you know, arcane or hard to, like yeah. we dropped in, we dropped mm-hmm. in a lot of Easter eggs, 
right? You know, because fortunately, um, uh, Scott Scott Pearson happens to be the uh, our canon editor, but he's okay. also the primary copy editor for Simon and Schuster, right? So for for the Star Trek books, so he's read like all the Star Trek books, the novels, multiple times, <laughs> and so if I go to him and I say, hey, I need a I need an Easter egg for something that happened in the Beta Quadrant in this time frame. He can go through the novels and he can find a little nugget He's got it. <laughs> that we can just drop into the book. The CBS approvers will approve it. And the fans who are paying attention or who or the fans who mm-hmm. like really know the novels and stuff yeah. will read it and they'll go, oh, hey, I, I remember that. Um, but then, you know, your casual fans aren't going to care. They'll just gloss by it and say that's that's new and fresh. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so we do try to create um, our own stuff as well as stick to canon. But I think, um, you know, previous owners of the Star Trek RPG license um, were, were very creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in some cases that might have been to their detriment because they went so far off the, the, the expectations that, um, that it, it's hard to get, come back to it. So we, we, try to adhere pre- we try to adhere pretty close to canon, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't, really, we don't really have any restrictions about what we can or can't use for the most part. Um, you know, we don't try to sneak anything past CBS because they'll figure it out. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but Definitely. we have too much. We have too much respect for them anyway uh, to try <laughs> to do that. So um, ho- hopefully, folks yeah. are digging what we are coming up with. It sounds like it from in the comments. Um, that does leave me on though, because it's really clear that this system's been made with uh, a lot of love and mm-hmm. for fans. Um, but in a way, that could be a bit intimidating for somebody who's a bit more of somebody that's maybe enjoys the game a bit yeah. more casually or something. Because uh, I know some people might be like, "Well, I don't know." all the law and I don't know the whole setting of everything. How could I possibly run a game of it? Is, is the game accessible for people that don't know, you know, everything about Star Trek? Well, <laughs> it, it, I, I want to believe it is accessible. Like the, uh-huh. the game itself, I think it's accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with five years of um, hindsight, being able to look back, I think, um, I think we maybe could have done a better job on the core rule book in terms of like the way we presented the, the order in which we presented the content. I think if you look at it, uh, there's a, there's an early chapter that is just nothing but sidebars and uh, fictional vignettes of all kinds of different things pulled in from Canon history. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, hardcore fans like me and other hardcore fans would be mm-hmm. reading those and they're like, Oh, we get it. Cause we know where all the references are coming from. Yeah, yeah. But I think somebody new to star Trek would read that. And I think it would be a little bit impenetrable because if you mm-hmm. don't know the if you don't know the references, then you're just kind of like reading all these stories. And you're like, okay, what's that from? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then you get intimidated because there's just so much stuff to to keep track of. But um, I, I I do you know in five years I've realized that there's a whole new generation of Star Trek fans coming mm-hmm. into Star Trek by virtue of the new shows that are on, which yeah. is super super exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the challenge there is that they do get intimidated. They they look at the 55 yeah. years of history they they see they see mm-hmm. a thousand episodes and 13 movies and thousands of novels and comic books and soundtracks and just oh, there's so much star trek out there exactly yeah um they're like uh, and i can hear it like I, I see it on social media all the time for this game they're like i want to run star trek but like i'm afraid to because there's just so much star trek and exactly. if somebody at, if somebody at my game table knows star trek better than i do the game session is going to be nothing but them nitpicking me to say, oh, you get, no, but it's this, but it's this, but it's this, or, or, you know, oh, this reference says this, or this reference says that, or in this episode, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that's hard to overcome, right? As a game, Mm -hmm. that's hard to overcome too sometimes. And so what I try to encourage people to do is, especially with lower decks, right? Just grab the episodes that you enjoy, have a really good session zero with your game group and Mm -hmm. say, 
here's Star Trek. Here's here's our vision for Star Trek for the purposes of this game, and yeah. then just, and then just run with it and have fun, yeah. and and, uh, and just you know go go do whatever you want to do with it for Star Trek. Because you know, like I said earlier, there's so much Star Trek right now, and there's something for everybody. So, uh, really have that session zero with your group and, and figure out like what does Star Trek mean to your group, and then and then play that. Yeah. You know, don't worry about everything else. Just focus on what you guys enjoy uh, collectively. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think that's almost true for any kind of setting where there's a lot of yeah. lore and history. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're coming together with your friends or a group of people to kind of play the game and, and have fun and enjoy it. And so, you know, maybe that's not what it's like 100% in, you know, episode two or something, but that's what we're doing here today. And I think, yeah, that's definitely the right attitude to take. Mm -hmm. um, I have a question going back to official and canon. Um, so they said, um, what's the most bizarre thing you've created that's official, even if not canon? Gosh, there's so much stuff I have to remember now. I think, um, <laughs> I think uh, the uh, in the in the Shackleton book that we just came out with, mm -hmm. which which you know features a, a full blown campaign setting, but also a ten part campaign. Um, in that, I, I made sure that the writers um, created all new alien species that we could populate mm -hmm. this new section of space and give players an opportunity to play an alien species that you haven't seen before. Right. So it's cool. not just Klingons and Romulans and, you know, Andorians or whatever. We yeah. created four entirely new species for the book, all of which could be Starfleet officers at some point, um, mm -hmm. or could be like interesting, su uh, not supporting, but interesting main characters of their own right. Kind of like a, yeah. an Odo or a Neelix or a Kess or, um, you know, uh, Akira, like, you know, you, you, especially in the more recent series, you have a, you have an alien who's not part of Starfleet, but is still a main character on the show, yeah. right? Providing that interesting, you know, alternative perspective. And so we created some really, really wild aliens in that, uh, <laughs> like there's, yeah. a, um, there's a, a living crystal basically called the Calmirans. Uh, they mm -hmm. are, it's not something you would probably have seen on a show, but I think, uh, like lower decks could probably do it or prodigy even because uh, it would be really it would really fit that animation style right because it's basically a living crystal right L like a living crystal yeah, yeah. floating along the hallway uh we have a um like a, a centaur like character that's um a part uh, uh what, what i can't remember the alien the, the animal though but uh there's just some there's some great artwork in the book about them uh, but so we created some very different species for the Shackleton book, I think in answer to the yeah. question, those are probably the most bizarre things, but I want to say mm -hmm. bizarre in like a positive sense as opposed to bizarre in like a weird Oh, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, sense, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> no, no, definitely. So yeah. creative, unique, maybe that sort of thing for sure. Yeah. Um, so we, we talked a lot about the setting, Star Trek. We love Star mm -hmm. Trek. We get that. Um, someone's had an excellent question. So this show is not D&D, so we're kind of comparing it to how it's different from D&D. &D. So uh, they've asked how... So how mechanically is the game different from D&D? What's the system um, that you get with Star Trek Adventures? Yeah, uh, this is almost a loaded question. <laughs> uh, so so the 2D20 system is Modiphius's house RPG system that they've yeah. used and adapted for a lot of games, including uh, Conan, Infinity, Star Trek, Dune, and a couple others that I'm probably not remembering, uh, John Carter, mm -hmm. Mars, and a couple mm -hmm. others. And uh, what Nathan Dowdell has done uh, he's the main systems designer at Modiphius, is he's taken the base 2D20 system and he adapts it for every intellectual property that we do for the, yeah. the game, right? And it's just, it's amazing to me how flexible the system is because you can do so many different things with it and yeah. have it feel like so many different things. Like Conan mm -hmm. feels very Conan. Star yeah. Trek feels very Star Trek. Dune feels very Dune. 
Mm-hmm. And there's similarities among the three or, you know, among the seven or however many there yeah, are now. Yeah. But they're all very uniquely different, too. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the cool thing about the 2D20 system, in, in my yeah. opinion. Um, how is it different from D&D? It's, it's, it's almost 180 degrees, honestly. <laughs> and it's not just because you're rolling 2D20 and you're rolling mm-hmm. under a target number. Like, you want, you want ones in, in, like, ones in 2D20 are like tw- 20s in D20, right? So it's completely reversed. Yeah. Um, from what your expectations are, if, if like if you're a hardcore D and D player and you're mm-hmm. coming into Star Trek Adventures, there will be a learning curve, right? Because you have to get over that that, o- that you have to get over that. Oh, I just rolled a twenty. This is awesome. It's like, well, no. In, in Star Trek, rolling a twenty creates some. I mean, it's still awesome, right? You don't fail. It just it creates a complication. And what that complication does is it makes the drama more interesting. It makes the scene that you're in more interesting. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I'd say if I had to compare the two, like. Uh, as much as I love D and D, in my opinion only, my opinion, I'm sure I'll get some hate mail for this. Like D and D is a very, very good combat simulator that has RPG kind of built on top of it. You've and, been chatting to Andrew Peregrine about this. <laughs> he said the same thing. Oh, that's funny. Interesting. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I've talked to my I've talked to my my game group about this over the years because mm-hmm. like we we've been playing D and D for thirty odd years, and we've been playing Star Trek games for thirty odd mm-hmm. years. Whether it's you know Fossa or Decipher or Glass Unicorn Games or this one or even our own homebrews, right? Because for a long time there, there wasn't a Star Trek game out that really fit the way we like to do Star Trek. So we yeah. just kind of made up our own stuff, right? We just made up our own rules and our our own game and made mm-hmm. it work. But um, uh, you know, D and D for us you know, only from my game experience. Not, I'm not going to talk about it as a thing, right? But just the way we play D and D is it's very much. Okay, we're in, we're in combat mode now. We're we're doing the dice. We're doing the miniatures. We're doing the the mm-hmm. you know combat, and then once that combat's over, we switch into the role playing side of things. And it's like we don't even need the rules system, right? Like that yeah. whole part of it goes away. And it's like that weird dichotomy of like, wait a minute, this is a <laughs> why is why is the RP just like completely mechanics free, and yet we get into the combat, and it's like that's all that you know, you're at the table, you're doing the mechanics, you're doing the, the miniatures and stuff. So it's just interesting how how different it is, but. When we get, when we play Star Trek though, Star mm-hmm. Trek is like literally it's all theater of the mind. Like th- th- there are whole sessions where we go where we don't even roll the dice because we're just getting into <laughs> the drama of interpersonal relationships and characters going back and yeah. forth and doing the drama and doing the scenes and you know problem solving and negotiating and getting to the diplomacy and all this stuff. It's just a very different feel, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know at, at its heart the two D twenty Star Trek system has a very simple mechanic, right? It's 2d20, you create a target number, you roll under it, and you, you count up how many mm-hmm. successes you get and or, or complications, and then things can impact it. Mm-hmm. There are some meta-currencies involved that you can use. Um, but like, if you get the basic mechanic down, like, like yeah. task, basic task resolution down, you can run you know, session after session with very minimal dice rolling and still have an amazing time you know, with, yeah. your, with your game group, either you know, live or, or virtually. We, like This game is really picked up because the virtual experience really lends itself to it, I think. Um, I think um, I may have gotten off the track a little bit here, but no, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, I, I do know having having re- having heard from a lot of folks on social media, there mm-hmm. is a learning curve between coming from D and D coming into this game, um, and it's just a matter of um, like 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 letting go <laughs> of of everything you know about D and D and just yeah. being, being open to trying a new game. That, yeah. that provides a very different experience. And I think one of, the, one of the other things that's really different about Star Trek compared to D&D, and we'll be specific about D&D because that's what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is that Star Trek, like, you, you don't play Star Trek 
to level up your character, right? There's there's no levels. There's no there is some character progression, but like if you watch the shows or you watch the movies, like mm-hmm. the the characters are are at the peak of their capability, right? You're, you're we're 300 yeah. years in the future. People don't have to work, right? They they are doing this because they love it, because they want to be out there exploring, discovering, mm-hmm. bettering themselves. And so when you when you start, like I mean, even Ensign Kim is an amazing highly competent character right and so even mm-hmm. if you're playing an ensign or a veteran captain you are at the at the very peak of your abilities and talents and skills mm-hmm. and and uh especially if you play a captain right if you're playing a captain player character yeah. like what are you going to do you, you could become an admiral sure but, but like, <laughs> as far as like you know leveling up or progression like there's not really a thing to do and it's just like you're really in it more for the story and for the collaborative storytelling experience as opposed to like you know gaining a new magic item or or leveling up and getting a new feat or something like the, like I said there there is some progression but I think the the gamers who are really into gaming for the sake of leveling up and improving their mm-hmm. characters abilities and getting the new magic items and the, I think you're going to miss out on something with Star Trek only because mm-hmm. it's just a very different um it's a different story. A different isn't it? mindset and a different kind yeah. of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've kind of leaning into answering a question I've got here, which is um, so in the living camba- in the living campaign, you created lots of different like moral situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and was that an, they, the person here's asked, was that an active decision you took when you wrote them? And it sounds like, yeah, that's what you want it to be. You want it to be more about the drama and the narrative opposed to, like you say, leveling mm-hmm. up and yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, if you if you watch the if you've watched the TV show, like the vast majority of Star Trek episodes are are the characters getting into some sort of moral situation, right, or or some sort of interpersonal conflict that they have to resolve. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's like here's two horrible decisions. Which one do you pick, knowing that they both suck, right? It's like, yeah. like do, do you pick do you pick the the worst situation or the not quite as worst situation? And like for for a yeah. game master, those are great to throw at your players because like there's not necessarily a right answer and there's not necessarily a wrong answer it's just like how do your characters deal with it and in star trek you know all the characters have um values right what what are important to your characters like maybe they're starfleet to the core or yeah the, the crew is my family or um you know i'll never walk away from a fight you know these are all things that are very important to them and a, a, a good gm and a good group of players will get into situations where those values are challenged or yeah. they'll say, oh, here's something that's happening. I'm going to lean into my value of, you know, I'll never walk away from a fight. And that can have an impact on the gameplay. And that can have an impact on the character because the characters will change those values over time, reflecting how they're changing as people because of the events that they're put into and the choices that they make, right? And so, yeah, absolutely. Every every time we we, we publish a standalone adventure or a, or a mission pack or, or we do some sort of, um, you know, Thing that that we're presenting story to you, there's always going to be some sort of moral situation, because uh, that's what we see on the TV show, right? And yeah. uh, and that's good. I mean, that's just good drama. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good storytelling. It, it, I mean, it would be kind of uh, boring to have people just like like hanging out on the holodeck doing nothing. Uh, <laughs> like you got to have something. What a lovely day. <laughs> yeah, you got to have something for them to get involved with. And mm-hmm. uh, I think moral situations are are part and parcel of the Star Trek drama from the '60s on to now. And so absolutely, that was a conscious decision to, to keep that alive. So as well as the core rule books, you do have all these other kind of adventure books and, mm-hmm. and things like that you mentioned as well. Which which ones are those kind of your favorite ones or what ones would you recommend to people that were just starting out with the system? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, for, for fans coming new to the game, um, I mean, without sounding like I'm 
patting myself on the back because I'm not, <laughs> but like, this is a very mature game line, right? We're five years into it. Yes. Um, I am fortunate that Medifius has been willing to be very supportive of all the crazy ideas I come up with. And <laughs> this, this game is extraordinarily well supported mm-hmm. in terms of like just product and stuff that's out there. Yeah. Um, and so like we have several paths of entry into the game. So like we've got two free quick starts uh, in PDF. You had a, a regular Starfleet version and then we have a mm-hmm. Klingon quick start because uh, we do have a whole subline of, um, of Klingon products available now. Oh, and yeah. um, so if you want to, yeah. yeah, there you go. So that's the Klingon core book that we came out with a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. And uh, there's a little story behind that, but I'll, I'll say that for a second. Here. Let me, uh, okay. Yeah. So we got, we got two quick starts, right? We got the Starfleet quick start and the Klingon quick start, both of which provide are free, uh, the free downloads. And they have uh, pre-generated characters and a short adventure and all the rules that you need to play it. Right. I mean, there's no character generation and uh, there's no starship combat in the two, mm-hmm. um, the two quick starts. But it's enough to get you into the game, yeah. And to, to get you playing and to have a good time with your friends at the table, and then from there you can launch into whatever core book you want, whether it's the Starfleet core rulebook, the Klingon core rulebook, um, or now we also have the um, the, the Tricorder Collector set, which provides uh, it's a full rule set, uh, but mm-hmm. provides a different aesthetic, right? Because it's the original series as opposed to yes. the next generation. Yeah. Uh, there's also a starter a starter set, a boxed starter set, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, was really designed for for people new to the game because the three part campaign in the starter set was written specifically to teach you the game as you play. Right. And it includes maps and tokens and dice and, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff you would expect from a starter set. Uh, so you, know, you get the quick starts, the starter set. Uh, I mean, there's just so many ways to get into the game now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then from there, we, we just have a, a lot of supplements that are truly supplements. Like they're nice to have, but they're not required. I yes. mean, really, uh, unlike, you know, this is no disparagement of, against D&D. This is just their business model uh, mm-hmm. where you need kind of need those three classic books, right? You need the player guide, the game master guide, and the monster manual. Yeah. Uh, for, for Star Trek, all you really need is one of the core books. And, uh, and you can, and that's, you're all, good to go. that's yeah. all you need. But we've got uh, uh, division source books that go into more detail on the different Starfleet divisions, you know, command, sciences, and operations. Uh, we have a quadrant book for each of the four quadrants, so Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, two adventure com- compendiums that uh, have adventures mm-hmm. in them. So we've got a, um, These Are the Voyages has eight adventures. Strange New Worlds has nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shackleton Expanse, which you're showing now, Shackleton Expanse Campaign yeah. Guide, is a, is a massive uh, campaign that spans from the original series into the next-gen era, 10-part, a very large campaign. Uh, plus a whole bunch of additional, I mean, this is a 300 page book. So it's, it's almost as big as the core book. Oh, wow. Um, just a wealth <laughs> of material on a specific section of the beta quadrant, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of NPCs, ships, yeah. the, new, the new species, et cetera. And so like, if you were coming in new to the game, if you grabbed a core rule book of your choice and the Shackleton book, <laughs> like that's, that's years of gaming okay. right there. Um, and for like yeah. those of you who are familiar, cause we're, you know, we're talking not D and D if you're familiar with uh, Pendragon, mm-hmm you know, the great Pendragon campaign, that big, massive book that Greg Stafford created for Pendragon. That was my inspiration for doing the Shackleton book. Uh, just okay. to like provide a wealth of material for players and game masters and just drop it on them and say, here's so much stuff that we could throw at you. Have fun with it. Go do what you want with it and make it your own. Um, hopefully fans will, will dig it and really enjoy it. And one of the things I like about the Shackleton book, again, like I said mm-hmm. earlier, is that a lot of the content is original. So if you're a big Star Trek fan, and you've been following the, the franchise for years, you're still going to find something new in here because so much of this 
nobody else has touched yet. Like none of the other licensees have really looked at this yet, or maybe, yeah. maybe not even know about it. We, we've talked to a couple <laughs> people, we've talked to a couple of people, but we just haven't been able to make anything happen yet. Um, sure. But uh, like, if you need a campaign setting, uh, Shackleton Fans, we'll, we'll give that to you. Uh, and awesome. we, uh, we were very careful to uh, to write it in such a way that if you're not like if you're playing an enterprise era game or a far future discovery game or like whatever you want, you can take the Shackleton Expanse and pretty much just like pick it up out of the original series next gen era and just port it to wherever you want to. You can change it pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're playing a Klingon campaign, like using the Klingon core rulebook, yeah. um, you can play the Shackleton Expanse entirely as Klingons if you want. Oh, amazing. Because uh, we, we were careful to build that into the living campaign and then evolved it into the uh, into the Shackleton Expanse. So um, players, you know, I didn't even talk about the all the digital stuff we have available to. We have a bunch of uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, digital PDF uh, standalone adventures and also yeah. mission packs that are available. The mission packs are free for game masters. That provides high level outlines for um, for adventures and episodes. You know, uh, mission ideas. And uh, I think the last time I counted, I think we've got probably 150 like discrete episodes. Oh wow! Or 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 missions that. <laughs> players and game masters can use so there's just a wealth <laughs> of material out there right now for star trek and, and there's more coming like mm-hmm. i've got my development schedule set for the next two years and there's just oh, so, busy. so much <laughs> so much new stuff coming and i'm, I'm just so excited that uh um Can't to get wait. it out there yeah we're well, looking forward to hear a lot, yeah. a lot about that um i put up on the screen for everyone and if you're listening on the podcast it's modifius.net where you can mm-hmm. check out uh everything that we just talked about there so you can find it all yep. in there and on social media it's at modifius so um if you want to check out anything uh there uh, that's the place that one-stop shop for that um coming back into the game a little bit you briefly mentioned the the value system um mm-hmm. can you talk about that a little bit more for uh, we have someone's here saying they love the value system but for those of us that aren't familiar with it could you just give us a little overview of it yeah absolutely absolutely so when you create a character um you go through ideally you would go through a life path a life mm-hmm. path creation system where you kind of go step by step through your character's life and career and okay. at, at certain points in that life path the uh, the game will prompt you to say okay come up with a value related to your academy experience or your your starfleet career or your your childhood like what what important thing did you pick up in your childhood you know maybe yeah. you grew up on a remote colony somewhere and mm-hmm. you knew that uh, the only thing that mattered was was your friends like you know the most yeah. important thing are my friends because maybe you were remote and that's all you had um and so you create these four values and uh, as you play through the game hopefully the game master is presenting you with with dramatic situations that will give you an opportunity to either call upon one of those values or to challenge it. Like maybe maybe one of your values is um, I'm Starfleet to the core. Well, what happens when you're presented with mm-hmm. a situation where somebody in Starfleet is doing something kind of hinky and yeah. uh, and and maybe is putting a, a giving you a opportunity to see that maybe not everything in Starfleet is quite so rosy. You know, how does mm-hmm. that impact your values to where you like you've had your entire life believing that Starfleet was the pinnacle and like you are Starfleet yeah. to the core, but now you're, you're being, you know, like you're questioning that challenged. Yeah. You're being challenged. And so like you can call upon that and that gives you a, a small mm. mechanical benefit in the moment of the game. And then you, you know, you cross it off and then you have to rewrite that value to reflect what happened in the game. Right. So what, whatever experience you just had, how did that shape your character? How did that change your character? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, as a person, and then you, you, rewrite that value or, or maybe you just reinforce it, right? Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. you, they double down on it. And uh, so, so the, um, the idea being then is like over the course of a campaign, your character may not change a lot 
mechanically in terms of their skill set or their um, their the raw numbers, right? But yeah. In term, but in terms of their values and their focuses and, and just like what's important to them, that'll change. Um, and that I think reflects Star Trek very well. But to a, to mm-hmm. a certain degree, it kind of reflects life too, right? Because we huh. we don't we don't not change, right? We're always changing. Yeah. Every time we we encounter a situation or have an experience, something's mm-hmm. going to change to some extent. Uh, so yeah. that that's the system basically is um, you have opportunities to to challenge those values or to reinforce those values, and it has a mechanical impact on the game, and then you carry it on from uh, from there. That sounds awesome. Well, there's some fans in the comment. There's a little chat going on saying how they like it. So it seems like it's doing what it's meant to, which is great. Um, Coming, uh, Speaking of questions, we've had some fantastic questions today. So thank you so much. We are coming up near to the top of the hour. So if you have any more questions, now is the time to ask them uh, whilst we're still on the air. I'm going to move us on from talking about Star Trek Adventures, unless there's um, something we've missed that that we were meant to talk about that you just had to tell us about. I think we've covered a lot of things, Jim. Yeah, I'm sorry that we're not going to be able to get to all the questions. I, I see the chat window <laughs> flying back and forth with a lot of stuff. So, uh, you know, uh, apologies in advance if we don't get to all the questions. But uh, I'm I'm super present on social media for the game. So if you don't oh, yeah. if you don't have a chance to get my question or you don't have a chance to get your question answered, just reach out to me. Happy to chat with you anytime. Uh, yeah, Twitter, uh, the Medifius Discord, the forums, email, like whatever. I'm I'm happy to chat about the game all the time. I think if there was one last thing I'd say about the game is mm-hmm. that. Um, I think we did touch on this actually, Jess, and I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but like if you're new to the game yeah. and you're you're only a little bit familiar with Star Trek, mm-hmm. don't don't let the fact that there's 55 years of Star Trek staring you in the face. Just just find a couple episodes that you like. Uh, and like there's tons of top ten lists on the internet for like best Star Trek episodes to watch. We even have a uh, you know a couple of lists in the some of the newer products like the player's guide and the game master guide and the discovery book that just came out. Like there's some, there's a list of episodes that you can watch if you want to get a feel for the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, just, you know, pick the episodes you like, pick the era of play you like, come to an agreement with your group on a, on a good session zero, and then just have fun. Don't, don't let all the noise scare you. And like yeah. the, the fan base is great. Um, and you just have to kind of like, you know, put your filter on, and just the, you know <laughs> figure out what Star Trek means to you, and then just have fun. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really fun game. I have so much fun playing it. I mean, it, even if I wasn't the project manager, I'd have fun playing it. Yeah. Um, and I am, uh, for lack of a better word, I'm chuffed every time I go on to <laughs> uh, every time I go on to Twitch or YouTube or whatever, and I see people playing this game. Like it's just amazing to me. Like I can I can watch somebody. There's a there's a group in um, Germany who was playing it mm-hmm. recently, and I was watching yeah, their yeah. Twitch channel late at night. It's like I don't I don't speak German I can't understand it but I could tell that they were having <laughs> a, yeah. great, a great time and it's just amazing to, for me to re- to remember that like oh yeah this game is played all around the world and yeah. uh, and, and people are getting something out of it so just uh, just have fun uh, you know enjoy it and uh, again any questions reach out to me or any of the fans the fans are great uh, for this game. Yeah, we have had a question come up since then, which is, uh, can we have you back on the show again, Jim? Uh, I, I, I would be, I would, <laughs> so I would be flattered. Yeah, question. absolutely. It seems like, since they do it, well, it sounds like you've got two more years of stuff coming up, so I'm sure there'll be new things to talk about. So absolutely, <laughs> least, yeah. we'll definitely cross fingers. Do cross fingers, more than two years, but we'll see. Well, yeah, you said I said at least two years. At least, at least two years, so, yeah. Uh, at the very least. So I'm sure we can have you back on again to talk about more Star Trek uh, Yay, things. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of that, um, so we talked a lot about Star Trek, which we obviously love, but another mm-hmm. section of the show I like us to talk about um, our favorite RPGs or things that we're playing uh, that are not D&D and that are not about the thing we've been talking about today. So do you have anything, uh, Jim? 
anything you're playing that's not Star Trek Adventures, or is it all just Star Trek Adventures now? Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting that uh, like most of my most of my free time, you know, outside of my day job and outside of my family is mm -hmm. uh, is working on this, on this game because uh, yeah. I'm so passionate about it. But I, I do try to find time to play other games. Um, mm -hmm. I don't currently have an RPG um, in mm -hmm. my in my wheelhouse right now, partly yeah. because my group is in a bit of a hiatus at the moment. Mm -hmm. And and we're kind of in that weird like a lot of groups get into that weird vibe where like there's just so many games to play right now that we don't yeah. know what we want to play. Um, but uh, I've been reading up on Pendragon because I I really got a yeah. the Jones to play Pendragon again. Um, mm -hmm. I've got the One Ring. Uh, you, you showed the book a few minutes ago. I've got the One yes. Ring. Um, I got the Kickstarter actually. And here's here's the sad thing, right? I'm mm -hmm. so busy <laughs> with with Star Trek that I haven't even opened the box yet for for the Kickstarter. Like I know I've got it. From, the the starter set. Post office. Yeah, I've got the starter set, and I've got I've, I got the um the the red, the red cover. Yeah, <laughs> I got the red cover book and whatever yeah. else is in the Kickstarter. Um, mm -hmm. But I've got the box sitting down over here, and I just haven't had a chance to even open it yet. So I'll, I'll crack into that pretty soon. Great. Um, and then I just pre-ordered the uh, the new Marvel um, RPG that's coming out pretty soon that Matt Ford Yes. Wrote. And I can't yeah. wait to check that out because like I was a huge fan of the Marvel superheroes game that came out with TSR mm -hmm. way back in the day. Uh, yeah. I just I mean, my my group and I just ate that one up. We love playing that that game, and I haven't personally found a, another another superheroes game that I liked as well as that one. Yeah. So I'm really I'm really excited to see if this new Marvel this new game one. compares to it, or or is at least a, a good game experience, right? Um, but other than that, you know, I've, I've been playing some um, uh, some video games, uh, some some Lego yeah. games. I got I got the new Lego Star Wars game mm -hmm. that that fills you know some of my odd time. And then um, the Marvel Champions uh, card game, the the one that yeah. Fantasy Flight does, that's just a great game. So I'm, I'm keeping the game engine, you know, in my head filled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. But like as far as RPGs right now, it's I've been in a Star Trek bubble for a while. And what a uh, lovely place to be. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah, I, I can't really complain. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a yeah. dream. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, funny though, Jim, that you mentioned the One Ring because yeah. next week's guest is uh, Francesco to talk about the One Ring. Oh, uh, so if you're watching and you want to get into this and learn all about it that'll be next monday at 10 p.m bst you can come on and have a look at that um also from us at en live uh so on 8 p.m this thursday we're doing en publishing en publishing's monthly live stream and we're going to be chatting to the cast of the first level up advanced fifth edition campaign which launches on tuesday the 26th next week uh we won't talk about that here though because that is D, D and this is not D. &D. <laughs> uh you can get a summary of all the schedule and shows we do at en live at enliverpg.com so you can check that out there uh, and as we mentioned at the top all these shows are brought to you by en live which is part of en world the leading tabletop news and review site um there seems like no more questions uh, as jim's mentioned you can reach out online to ask any questions so and uh Sounds like we'll have to have you back again, Jim. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us and sharing Star Trek adventures with us all. Hey, Jess, thank you so much for having me aboard. I really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, other folks will tell, tell you that I, I will not stop talking about Star Trek adventures. I could go on, and on about <laughs> it. But uh, yeah, absolutely happy to come on. But even mm -hmm. if that doesn't work out, you know, I, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to expose more folks to the game. And uh, mm -hmm. I hope everybody has fun. I think you're going to be in for a treat next week because Francesco is an awesome person to talk with. Yeah. Uh, so I think you're, I'm going to have to tune in for that one because that's going to be fun. Please do. Uh, you yeah, know where we are. You. <laughs> so much. All right. So much for having me aboard. You're more welcome. Thanks so much. And thank you for everyone that watched so much. And we hope to see you next week. Thanks yeah. very much. Thank you all. Bye. Be safe. Be well. <laughs>